Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Take your Bibles this evening, please. Acts chapter 26. We're, we're about to be done with this series. We've moved it to morning and night so that I can finish it up by the end of the year. I think tonight is message number 79 in the book. We were here this morning. This morning we looked at our cause, and I'm excited about the message tonight. And then next Sunday morning, I know where we will be, and I hope you'll be here. I believe a powerful truth from God's Word that will help you next Sunday. We're going to find our text, and we're just going to look at a couple of verses tonight. Often we'll look at 20 or 25 as we go through this book, but tonight just a couple of verses. But have you ever said something to yourself or maybe to a friend or a spouse or to the Lord out loud, something like this? I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. Maybe you've thought that, you felt that. I don't know if I'm strong enough for this one. Maybe something along these lines, how am I ever going to get through this trial? Oh, we've been through some things in the past, but this one feels a little bit too much. You ever say something or think or feel something like, this might be the straw that breaks the what? Camel's back. Sometimes the realities of life can overwhelm us, can't they? How many of you have ever thought or felt or said something along those ways somewhere in your course in life? Would you lift your hand? You felt kind of like that. If you haven't to this point in life, praise the Lord for that. Undoubtedly, there will come a time where you and I will, at least on one or two or three, probably several occasions throughout our lives. I just don't think I can do this. I don't think I can go on any longer like this. God, I feel like this is just too much for me to handle. We're seeing people with an epidemic of this in our nation, aren't we? Anxiety seems to be at all-time highs according to studies and percentages. What, what is that often, those that are struggling with anxiety, what, what is that? That's people saying, I don't know how I can face what I have to face today. I don't know how I'm going to make it through what I ha- what's, what's going on in my life right now. Depression and discouragement, mental health struggles are on the rise, we're told. Hopelessness and people of all ages feeling like, how are we going to make it? I want to bring you a message tonight entitled, The Only Way You're Going to Make It. The only way you're going to make it. And I hope that this is one of those messages that we, if we need it today, that God uses it to minister to us today. And if maybe we don't need it today, it's one of those that we tuck away and we're reminded of the Apostle Paul and where he was at. Here's the reality. I, I'm not a, a doom and gloomer. You, you, I think those that know me know my spirit, know my, my style of preaching, know my personality, my, my leadership style. I am not often the glass is half empty or the world is ending or the sky is falling. That's just not who I am. Life is not always difficult. 
If, if it, we're not, life is not always a struggle, life is not always a burden. Now, there, are, there might always be some burdens or struggles, but life is not always, uh, even Job, you know, you look, the, the, the guy that had it the worst in all of the Bible, probably Job, his life was full of a whole lot of blessings before the calamity and after the calamity. But here's the reality, although life is not always difficult, there are difficult seasons for all of us. You live long enough, you are going to walk through some times of heartache, of heartbreak, of betrayal, of pain so deep you don't know if you can go another day. That is going to be a part of our lives. Life is full of victories and defeats, celebrations and sobbing, mountaintops and valleys. And for most of us, there will probably be a, a handful of times where we find ourselves at the proverbial end of our rope in a feeling of hopelessness and utter fear about what tomorrow holds, and we may wonder, how am I going to make it through this? And the title is, The Only Way. We're going to see tonight, The Only Way You're Going to Make It. We're going to see a simple phrase that Paul gives in Acts 26 during his address to King Agrippa, along with some other hints from, from different seasons of Paul's lives that spanned decades where he found himself in some unbelievable situations and some things that he said that I believe will show us how we, like Paul, can finish our course with joy. See, here's the thing. I don't think God just wants us to endure, just barely struggle hanging on until the end. And well, I, I made it. I was, I was bitter. I was depressed. I was discouraged. I was defeated. Life stunk. But I somehow stumbled across the finish line into the grave, and I made it. That is, the, the Bible says that He has come that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. He doesn't want us to live a defeated life. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. God wants us to live in victory even through the difficult seasons of life. And we see that example in the Apostle Paul. Even here where we find ourselves, where is Paul in this passage? He, he is standing before King Agrippa in bonds. For doing what? For preaching Jesus. Not only can we make it to the end, we can make it with our faith intact, joyful rather than defeated, thankful rather than complaining, and gracious rather than cynical. That's who I want to be, don't you? How many of you have ever met a cranky, grumpy, cantankerous older person? Anybody ever? For that matter, a younger person. There's some of those too, right? Cranky, grumpy, cantankerous older people and younger people. They're no fun to be around. They're always complaining, always telling you what's wrong with everyone around them and how somebody mistreated them and this news story they read and the sky is falling. They've lost their hope. They've lost their joy. They tell everybody to get off their lawn. They talk about how good things used to be before all these young whippersnappers came along and ruined everything. They complain about gas prices and humidity and their arthritis and Walmart stock price, and anything else they can find to complain about. Their Facebook feed is full of what's wrong with everything and everyone. They've lost their sense of humor, never a word of praise or gratitude. What, what is that? They're looking at life through everything that's wrong. Well, the difficult things I've walked through, they're just holding on until they can finally get sick and die. That can really take the wind out of your sails to spend some time with somebody like that, can't it? Now, how many of you have ever met a happy, encouraging, joyful, sweet older person? We have many in our church that would fit that bill. 
What a breath of fresh air. They're always positive, always looking for people to encourage, always a a kind word to say. They find the good rather than the bad. Instead of yelling about, why do we have all these little kids running around? They find young families and encourage them and tell them, these are some of the most precious moments of your life. Enjoy those little gifts. And, and instead of, of maybe criticizing, they, they see that single mom or that young family that's struggling and, and they get, get into church on time and they help them and maybe give them a little money for some groceries or drop off a little gift or do something for them. They're, they're always writing notes of encouragement and They FaceTime their kids and grandkids and gush over them. Yes, they even learned to use FaceTime instead of just complaining about all the evils of technology. And and, and, and they're, they're excited about the life. Now, is their life without trial or struggle? Oh, no. Their Facebook feed is full of pictures of their grandkids and Bible verses and maybe some pretty pictures of nature and even a family recipe or two. What a joy. What a breath of fresh air. What an encouragement. I I personally, I love to get around pastors who who are older than me who have been serving for decades and are still excited about the work that God has called them to do. They're not mad about it. They're not mad about what God, they still believe that God is working in this generation and they love to invest in and encourage younger preachers rather than pick them apart. That's who I want to be if the Lord allows me to grow older in the ministry. My wife and I were talking about a pastor couple that we've known for decades. We've known them since we were in in junior high school, I think, maybe even earlier than that. And we saw them this weekend unexpectedly. They're in their mid-60s, and we watched and saw as they've gone out of their way to love on their children and their grandchildren and sacrifice of themselves to invest in even some of their children that, uh, that grew up as pastor's children that have chosen to do some things a little bit differently than they were taught or raised as they were brought up. And, and they go out of their way to encourage others. They even specifically went out of their way to say some kind words to my wife and to me when they didn't need to. We, we were at an event that, that we had nothing to do with each other. And, and they went out of their way, didn't realize they were going to be there, and came and, and said some encouraging words to both of us out of their way. My wife and I were talking as we were driving home from that event. I said, that's the kind of, if the Lord lets us become older, pastor and pastor's wife and grandparents I want us to be. That's what we want to be. If God lets us to pastor for decades more, I want to still be a Bible-believing preacher, but not be mad about it. I see, and, and you're not an old pastor, Pastor Fawn, but you're older than I am, and you've been serving longer than I have, and you have that spirit when I get around you, Pastor Mrs. Fong, Pastor, a wonderful church. I've preached there a couple of times in San Leandro, California, doing an amazing work for God, and I love men like that. One of the reasons that, I, that I'm a, a pa- the pastor here, one of the, 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 the relationships at least that started, I would, I would, Pastor Tomlinson, when I would get around him, would have that gracious spirit about him. And he would come to conferences at our home church, and I would say, and there would be hundreds of pastors there, but I would see a, a man that was in his 60s that still loved God and still loved people and, and, and was, didn't find something wrong with everybody he, he ran into. And I would say, Pastor Thomas, can I, as a younger man, can I go get coffee with you? I'd like to talk with you and pick your brain, and, and, and I'd like to hear from you. And, and he loved his wife, and he loved his children, and he loved his grandchildren, and he loved his church. And I, I love to be around that older pastors that encourage younger. I was thinking about it while I was sitting here, Pastor Fong. You probably don't remember this at all, but your church, it was back when I think you were still in Oakland in a, in a business park, a parking garage, was one of the first churches as a Bible college student that ever invited—I don't know if you know if you invited me or you just contacted the college and said, do you have a, a senior, a junior, or a senior that can 
can come fill the pulpit for us, but you, you let me preach. You were out of town. You let me preach on a Sunday morning. That was very dangerous. I look back at the messages that I preached. I don't know if there was any Bible anywhere in any of them. And I remember going to you, driving up to Oakland on a Sunday morning and preaching. I think it was the first or second time I had ever preached to a, a real, a, an adult church, not kids, not teenagers. And I remember leaving that morning, somebody took me to a delicious meal there, and I obviously didn't do too much damage. The church was still around, so they, they survived my, my Sunday there. And I remember they handed me an envelope. They said, here's your honorarium. I said, what's an honorarium? I don't even know what that word means. What is that? And I got to my car, and I opened it up. It might have, I don't know what it was. It might have been 50 bucks, but whatever it was, it felt like $10,000. It might have was probably a few hundred dollars. I don't know what you gave. It was, I remember opening and thinking, what? You get paid to do this? Nobody told me that. I thought, we, that's awesome. And, 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 and even at, at that time as college students, pastors older than me, encouraging and investing in younger men. But, if you've, but, but we have a choice as we grow older. What type of person are we going to be? I, I, as I mentioned, I want to be a Bible-believing preacher, but not be mad about it. Have you ever heard pastors, they, they can't even preach about God's love without sounding angry? God loves you! Okay, is that, am I supposed to be happy about that, or? Being a Christian is the best life ever! And it's like, well, I, I hope so. And, and we're just angry about everything. Here's the reality. None of us are going to get through this life unscathed and unaffected by heartbreak and heartache. So how are we going to make it through those things with our faith, our hope, our joy intact? There's only one way. In our text. Where do we find Paul? What has he been through in life? He's been betrayed. He's been lied about. He's been falsely accused. He's been unjustly imprisoned for preaching Jesus. He's been beaten to within inches of his life. He's had co-laborers desert him. He's had converts fail him. He's had churches he started implode on themselves. He's seen Christians he invested in commit wicked immorality. And in this passage, he's standing before a godless crowd following two years of indefinite detainment by Roman authorities, and he probably feels like his life is just wasting away before his very eyes, and there's no hope of resolution in sight. Let's pick it up in verse 21 where we were this morning. Would you read verse 21 with me aloud? Ready? Begin. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. We looked at his cause this morning. For living right, he was physically abused. For living right, he, Paul said, I've been beaten, I've been, I've been accosted, I've been threatened to be killed, they're trying to get a, a death sentence on me, I've had the justice system twisted against me, I've, I've lived with the distinct possibility of a capital punishment, I've had mobs scream for my de demise. Then what does he say? There's a beautiful phrase, I want you to read verse 22, nice and loud tonight, it's where we find our text, ready, begin, having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. He said, having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great. I still have love for people that are important and people that aren't important. I'm still preaching the same message. I'm not distracted. I'm not worried about the Roman governmental system and the Jewish religious system and the, and the, the corruption of the Sanhedrin. I'm not worried about any of that. All 
I'm doing is preaching the Jesus that the prophets of the Old Testament said would come. I'm still focused and continuing to this day after betrayal, after being lied about, after imprisonment, after being beaten, after being left within inches of his life, after being deserted by Demas on a missionary journey, uh, by, by John Mark on a missionary journey, after Demas uh, having, leaving and having loved this present world, after churches that he loved finding out that there were people there committing wicked immorality, and those that, that would have plucked their own eyes out for him now are standing against him. Am I become your enemy, he said, because I tell you the truth. But with all of those things, for all of these causes, they're now trying to put me to death, but I'm still continuing to this day. And what was the key? Would you read from the word having to the word day aloud? Ready? Begin. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day. Would you read having to God? Ready? Begin. Having therefore obtained help of God. I still love God, he said. I'm still serving God. I'm still helping people. I haven't wavered. And there's only one reason. It's the only way you're going to make it. Having therefore obtained help of God. I'm going to give us a few realities that sometimes we think we can't make it because of these things. But the realities in all of our lives, I'm going to give you Paul's responses in his writings to these realities of why we can make it, not in our own strength, but having therefore obtained help of God. Do you ever say when you're facing one of those trials that you're not sure you can get through, do you ever say something like this? I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I can't make it because I'm not enough. I, I don't have what it takes to get through this. This one is too big for me. You say, Pastor Ryan, I can't make it. You don't know my past. You don't know what I struggle with. You don't know my, my failures. You don't know my scars. I deserve what's coming to me. You don't know my shortcomings. I'm not enough. May I just say that Paul echoed your sentiments, but he understood where his help came from. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verses 9 and 10, he said, for I am the least of the apostles. I'm not enough that I'm not meet to be called an apostle. I don't deserve this position because I persecuted the church of God. I've got a past, but what does the bold word say right there? But by the grace of God, I what? Am what I am. What is he saying? I'm not enough, but having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day. I keep going. Not because of who I am, but because of who he is. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I. It's not about me, but the grace of God, which was with me. Well, Pastor Ryan, I found out this in my family. I found out this in my finances. I found out this at work. I found out this in my health. I found out this about a spiritual mentor in my life that completely disillusioned me. They, they turned out to be a fraud, a fake, a hypocrite. They, they, they let me down. I, I trusted them. I believed them. I followed them. And this is how they treated me. I'm not strong enough to get through this one. Not only do we sometimes say I'm not enough, and Paul said that, but he said, I don't need to be, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Sometimes we say, I'm not strong enough. God, I can't handle this. The pain is too much. The struggle is unbearable. I'm not strong enough. And here's the comforting truth we need to understand when we walk in those seasons. You don't have to be. I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I have what it takes. I'm not strong enough for this one. You don't have to be. 
God, it's too big. You've got to take it away. And what did Paul teach us that God had taught him in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12 when Paul said, you've got to take this one away. I'm not strong enough. What did Paul say? And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. Your strength isn't sufficient for you, but my grace is sufficient for you. You're not strong enough, but I am. And, and by the grace of God, you are what you are, and I am strong enough. I can help you through this. For my strength, God said, is made perfect in your will weakness most gladly, therefore, Paul said, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me, for when I am weak, then is he strong. I'm not strong enough. I don't, I don't know if I can make it. The only way you're going to make it is having therefore obtained help of God. I continue to this day. You ever feel like I'm not smart enough? How in the world could this work for good? I'm just not smart enough to figure this one out. God lost me on this one. This one, there's no fixing it. There's no redeeming it. There's nothing good that can come from it. I'm just not smart enough to see how this could possibly be used for good in my life and for God's glory. Nothing helpful is going to come from this one. I can't figure that out. But you know what Paul said I've learned to, when he wrote to the Christians in Rome? He said, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Paul said, I, I, I'm not smart enough to figure out how to use this trial for good, but I know a God who is. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue to this day. I'm not calm enough. I just can't deal with this one. I can't keep from stressing out over this one. I, I can't stop the anxiety on this one. I'm just not calm enough to walk through these tempestuous seas. Pastor Jay and I, we coached flag football this season together. And our high school boys, we had our final tournament of the, of the, of the uh, season on Friday. And our boys did a great job for the second straight year. They, they went undefeated through the regular season. And uh, then we, we, we beat the, won our first playoff game, made it to the championship game. And we were down, a team that we'd already beaten twice, but they were both close games. We were down six zip in the second quarter. And then Titus is our quarterback. He'd only thrown, I think, one other interception the whole season. He threw an interception at our 20 second quarter. We haven't scored yet, and they're about to go up two scores on us. And I thought, are you kidding me? We're, we're going to be, we're going to we're going to go undefeated the whole season and then lose in the championship game. And uh, it was, it was not looking good, but, but we ended up pulling it out. And the boys, the NCSC Hawks, ended up being league champions, regular season champions and league champions, ended up winning that game. And it was a lot of fun. But I was telling my wife afterwards, I said, Pastor Jay's like my alter ego. He's the most calm, even keeled, cool, calm, collected, doesn't ever talk to the ref, doesn't yell at the ref, doesn't get mad at anybody. And I am the exact opposite of all of that. I try to be a nice guy when I'm a pastor. I can be a jerk when I'm a coach. I can be, and I don't like it always, but man, the, just the competitive fire comes out, and I, I can get frustrated with myself, and I can get frustrated sometimes with our players. I can get really frustrated with the refs, and uh, frustrated with sometimes the other team and the other coaches, and, and I'm out there yelling at people, and I, and I look, and Jay's just like praying, praying to God and praising the Lord. Like, don't you ever get upset about anything, Pastor Jay? And I'll, I'll complain, that was terrible, did you see that? And he's just like, he's just, I want to get mad at him too, like, man, get mad about something. But I don't know if you're like me, sometimes you walk through valleys, and man, I can't, I can't on this one, I, I can't, I don't know how to trust God through this. 
It's just got me all worked up. I'm just not calm enough. And what did Paul, what did Paul say? What did he teach the church at Philippi writing from a prison cell? What did he tell them? Be careful, full of care, anxious for nothing. Don't get worked up, stressed out about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's not about your ability to stay calm. It's the peace of God that you need. You don't need to try to somehow meditate and, and calm your own spirit and, and, and stop. And I'm not saying that you can't do some things like that. What I am saying, you don't need the peace of man. You need the peace of God that passes all understanding. You don't have to be calm enough. You need to go to the one who can calm the storms and mean everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. God, I can't, I can't stop worrying about this one. I can't stop stressing about this one, but God, I'm going to try to give it to you. The songwriter said, take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Oh, what peace we sang, I think, last Sunday night. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. You know, what, you know what Paul was saying here in Philippians 4? Oh, what peace you often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain you bear. All because you do not carry everything to God in prayer. Be careful for nothing. I'm not calm enough. I'm all worked up. I'm, I'm anxious. I'm stressed out. I'm worried. I'm fearful. I'm uncertain. And, 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 and Paul, what did he say? You know what I learned? You're not going to make it through in your own power of positive thinking, having therefore obtained help of God. I continue unto this day. Number five, I don't have enough faith. How am I going to keep from getting overtaken in fear? Oh, and we don't know for sure that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. Many believe he may have been the author. But whoever the author of Hebrews was said this, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do to me. How are we going to keep from being overtaken in fear? We remember who's on our team. The writer there said, oh, I, I, may, not, I, I, I may not know, and I, I'm, I don't have enough faith. I, I'm, I'm scared. I, I'm fearful. But if, when I remember the Lord is my helper, helper, I will not fear. What is he saying? Having therefore obtained help of God. I continue unto this day. I'm not holy enough. I can't get victory over this temptation. I can't overcome this vice. I can't escape this addiction. I don't know if I can get through this one. I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. The, the chains are too strong. The, the bonds are, are, are too deep in my life. And what did Paul say in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10? How are you going to get through this one? There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful, having obtained help of the Lord. God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. I don't know if I can bear it. You know what Paul told the church of Corinth? With his help you can. Oh, you might not be able to on your own, but having obtained help of the Lord, I continue unto this day. 
Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. How am I going to resist the attacks of the devil? I've just got to be strong in my own mind, and I've got to build up some self-discipline, and I've got to change this about me, and I've got to turn over a new leaf, and I've got to get some self-help there. How, how are we going to do it? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that we can stand against the wiles of the devil, having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day. I'm not rich enough. You know, there are some trials in life where we, we say, I literally don't have enough worldly resources to survive this. I'm not going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to make it through this one. Sometimes it's a, it's a sin struggle. I don't know how I'm going to make it through. Sometimes it's a relational struggle. I don't know how I'm going to make it through. Sometimes it's a heartache or a heartbreak. It's a family struggle. And sometimes it's a struggle with trusting God and it's anxiety and, and, and stress in our lives. Sometimes it's financial. I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. I literally don't have enough worldly resources. And again, what did the writer of Hebrews say? Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. What did he say? How can you make it through those things, even the financial understanding? He is with you when you feel you don't have what it takes to make ends meet. You may not have all the money you need, God is saying there, but you have me. You may not have all the financial answers, but you have the only answer that you need. I will never leave you or forsake you. Paul said again from prison, penniless, he said to, to the, the, the church at Philippi, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer in need. And would you read Philippians 4.13 aloud? Most of us know it by heart. Ready? Begin. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. We use that as this blanket promise. I can win the Super Bowl because God strengthens me. I can get the promotion at work because He strengthens me. I can, I can win the flag football tournament because He strengthens me. That, that, that's in context. Here's what He's saying. Here's what He's saying. You can walk through seasons of complete material uncertainty, not knowing how you're going to get your next meal. You can do that through Christ, which strengthens you. You can learn to be content with whatever you have, not in your own strength. He said, I have learned to be content. I didn't know how to do it. It wasn't natural. Naturally, I got worried. And what did Jesus say in Matthew chapter number six? He said, take no thought on these things. You get all worked up about, you, you get worried. If you're short and you're worried about how you're going to get taller, does it help you get taller? Jesus said, no. You don't add a stature. You get, get, you get all worked up about this stuff in the physical, material world. You get all worked up about, well, what are we going to wear, and what are we going to eat, and how are we going to pay the bills? And, and you know what he said? Take no thought of those things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things, the stuff that you're all worked up about that really don't matter in the long run, shall be added unto you. What does he say here? You can do all things through Christ. What is Paul saying over the course of a decades of suffering, decades of trials, Decades of struggles, decades of victories, de decades of wonderful joys and miracles. What is Paul saying? How did I make it? I don't know if I can make it through this one. How did I make it? Having therefore obtained help of God. The only way you're going to make it is if you learn to tap into the power that is greater than you. 
if you learned that you're not going to make it on your own. You learned that you need Him. You need His help. You need His peace. You need His resources. You need His strength. Paul is saying here, it's God that has taught me how to trust Him no matter the level of my bank account. Gina, your, your husband, Leonard, went to heaven this past month, a year ago. And we talk about some financial struggles, and I, I, we, we, the church has helped. We've taken some offerings. We've done some things within the staff. But through all of that, it was a several-year medical journey. And through that, they incurred tens of thousands of dollars in medical bills and then final funeral expenses. And then there were some tax situations with all of that they had to figure out. And, and, and then there's still the regular household bills. And when Leonard passed away, some of his, the, the finances that he had coming in, those things stopped. And, and all of these things, and Gina and I have communicated and met on a regular basis throughout this, this process. But I've watched as a lady that I'm sure many times over the last year has said, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this one. And I've watched as she shared victory after victory. And she shared how God's people have encouraged her and her family, and, and how her family has rallied together and helped one another, and how they've sacrificed for each other. And, and we've done some things, as I mentioned, tried to do some things within our staff. We've taken some offerings, and our church family has taken some offerings. And Gina has all of these things, all on a teacher's salary, which I don't know if you're aware, but they're not really getting rich teaching your children. They do it because they love your kids, not because they love money trying to figure out how to keep all of this afloat for the first time in her adult life without her husband around. And we recently switched some of our staff uh, healthcare benefits so that we could try to be, our, our deductibles were getting completely out of hand. They were getting to where staff were having to pay five and 10 and 15,000, I don't know about 15, but five and $10,000 out of pocket for certain things if they had a baby or a major surgery. And, and, and that was with us continuing to pay more and more and more for that. And so we made some changes so that we could try to be more of a help. And God put it on my heart. And I talked to DJ, our finance manager, I think maybe two or three weeks ago, DJ. And I said, hey, let's, let's, let's use some of that to help with that medical expense there for Gina. Let's use some of that, that health care that we moved around there to help with that, that medical expense. And I asked Gina if I could read this because it goes so beautifully with this thought of, I don't know how I'm going to make it. And how is God going to provide? And, and she sent me this email on Friday. And I asked if I could read it. And she said, yes. She said, Pastor, yesterday, before I left the church, I went up to the print room to print something and found a couple envelopes in my box. I often print on the weekends for the whole week. So that was a nice surprise to find them. I couldn't help but cry with gratitude when I opened the envelopes with checks from you and our church family in them. God always knows. I finished paying this month's bills and had about $20 left in the account, so the checks are a huge blessing. I'm at a loss for words and constantly amazed at how God continually provides and cares for our family at just the right time. I haven't doubted that he would, but the uncertainty definitely can cause one to wonder how. One of the last things Leonard said to me before going back to the hospital for the last time was that God told him everything would be okay. I think of those words often. Thank you for your generosity and love for our family, Pastor. No words can express how I feel about the impact you have had on our lives. We're truly blessed. On another note, I wanted to share something else that God has done in my life this year since Leonard passed. I can't believe it's already been a year. Most of the time it feels like it was yesterday. The pain is unlike any loss I've ever felt, and I miss him terribly. Even though it's been a difficult year, God has used it to grow me in so many ways. When Leonard passed, either through text, email, sermons, or while talking with me, you said three words that have stuck with me. Grace, 
faith, and hope. These words are so easy to take for granted if you've been a Christian a while. However, this year was different for me. Since I kept thinking about them, it prompted me to study and cling to them more than I ever have. Along with reading my Bible, I like to pick out certain words, find them in the Bible, write all the verses out, study and meditate on them, reread and study sermon notes, and read books about them. Those three words have been the main topics of my Bible study this year. I've read several books, looked up, highlighted, and written out all the verses with those words in them, studied them, and meditated on them. They've all helped me get through this year. My takeaway is that individually those words mean different things, but together they all mean the same thing. They reflect God and who He is. True grace flows from the heart of our Father through the love of Christ that we may have the faith to let Him lead each step we take and have hope that He will be glorified. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks again. I love you and your family. And she finishes. You know what she's saying? I believe. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue to this day. I'm not enough, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. I'm not strong enough, but my grace is sufficient for thee. I'm not calm enough, but the peace of God, which passes all understanding. I'm not smart enough, but we know that all things work together for good. I, I'm not rich enough, but I've learned that whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content, and I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. How are you and I going to make it? The only way we're going to make it, if we're going to make it, the only way we're going to make it, there's only one way, it's through the help of God. I think Paul had figured out the answers to life's problems, don't you? I think he figured it out. He, had, he, he learned in this passage to rest in God's Word, to be faithful to God's plan. He said, I continue to this day, even when it hurts and it doesn't make sense. Paul's been here for years, and he said, I'm going to rest in his sovereignty. He knows what I don't, and he sees what I don't. I want you to think about something as we get ready to close. You've listened well. God built into our existence the reality that we have to spend one-third of every day, one-fourth to one-third of every day of our life here on earth admitting we're not enough. We're not strong enough to stay up and figure it out. We're not smart enough to stay up and figure it out. One-fourth to one-third of every person in this room's day, you know what it's, what, what it's spent doing? Stopping and saying, I'm not enough. I'm going to have to stop trying to fix it and let him care about it for a while. God, I'll pick it up in the morning, but I'm going to give you those problems for five or six or seven or eight hours. Every day, every one of us is hardwired to have to stop and realize there's only one way when we go to sleep, it's a reminder, there's only one way we're going to make it through the night. We're not keeping ourselves alive. We're not doing anything to stay alive. All we're doing is sleeping. We're completely powerless, and, and we just trust that everything will be functioning the way that it should when we wake up, and God will take care of it because we're not humanly capable of doing it on our own. No matter how big the problem you face, no matter how dire the circumstances, you and I every single day have to tap out and admit, I'm not strong enough to stay up for days on end. I've got to go to bed and let God carry that burden for a while. So if he forces us to do it one-fourth of the day, why don't we just decide to do, it, to, to do the same thing the other three-fourths? If he says uh, one-fourth to one-third of every day, you're going to lay down and admit you're not enough, when we get up, the, the other three-fourths? or two-thirds, why don't we just say, God, I'm not enough. I can't make it through this one on my own. 
I can't figure this one out on my own. It doesn't make sense to me. Your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. But God, having therefore obtained help of you, I continue to this day. Oh, I'm in chains. I don't like it. I'm hurting. I wish I could be out there preaching. I'm standing here before King Agrippa, but it's all good because God has a plan. And if God wants me to preach in bonds, he must want these prisoners to get saved. And if God wants me to put me in that trial, he must want those people to be helped. And you know what? I'd rather be preaching in the synagogue, but if, if my pulpit's supposed to be a, a, a jail cell for two years in, in Caesarea, that's where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to this day. Not my own strength, but having obtained help of God. Would you read that verse one more time with me? Acts in chapter number 26 and verse number 22. Let's read that verse aloud one more time. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to make it. There's only one way. The only way you're going to make it is this. Acts 26, verse 22. Let's read it aloud. Ready? Begin. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. My focus is where it needs to be on the gospel. The next verse says that Christ should suffer and rise again. My focus is where it needs to be. My trust is where it needs to be. My body's where it needs to be. God's got all under control. You know how I figured that out? I didn't do it on my own. I obtained help from God. Liberty Baptist Church family, you and I have access to the same help that Paul did. You and I have access to the same help that Paul did. And I'd go out on a limb and say that most of our circumstances pale in comparison to Paul's. And yet he continued. Yet he finished. Why? Because he was a great servant of God? No, because he served a great God. The last verse I'll share from the Apostle Paul's pen. No matter what you're facing, no matter how hopeless you're feeling, no matter how final you think your defeat is, I leave you with Romans 8.31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? It's the only way you and I are going to make it. At times, now I love life, and life is wonderful, but at times, it's too much for us to bear. At times, it's too big for us to carry. At times, it's too complex for us to figure out. You know what we're going to have to learn? The only way you and I are going to make it, if God be for us, who can be against us? Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue to this day. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.